Hi, my name is Nudie, and you're listening to Reading Books with Nudie. We are reading A Little Princess by Frances Hodgson Burnett right now. In this episode, we are going to hear the first part of the sixth chapter of our book. We will also hear a short jingle or rhyme at the end of the chapter. This rhyme comes from a different book called The Jingle Book by Carolyn Wells. If you're new here, I recommend you go back and listen to previous episodes, or you might not understand the story. Please, if you have the time, leave a rating or review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. It helps the podcast be more publicized, and every little thing helps. If you have any questions, I have an email now. It's readingbookswithnudie at gmail.com. That's readingbookswithnudie at gmail.com. If you just want to say hi, send me an email too. I'll try to answer everyone. And if you know someone whose birthday is a Monday or Thursday, when the episodes drop, you can tell me and I'll wish them a happy birthday from you. Thank you. All right, let's get started. Chapter 6, The Diamond Mines, Part 1. Not very long after this, a very exciting thing happened. Not only Sarah, but the entire school found it exciting and made it the chief subject of conversation for weeks after it occurred. In one of his letters, Captain Crewe told a most interesting story. A friend who had been at school with him when he was a boy had unexpectedly come to see him in India. He was the owner of a large tract of land upon which diamonds had been found and he was engaged in developing the mines. If all went as was confidently expected, he would become possessed of such wealth as it made one dizzy to think of, and because he was so fond of the friend of his school days, he had given him an opportunity to share in this enormous fortune by becoming a partner in his scheme. This, at least, was what Sarah had gathered from his letters. It is true that any other business scheme, however magnificent, would have had but small attraction for her or for the schoolroom, but diamond mines sounded so like the Arabian Nights that no one could be indifferent. Sarah thought them enchanting and painted pictures for Ermengarde and Lottie of labyrinthine passages in the bowels of the earth, where sparkling stones studded the walls and roofs and ceilings, and strange dark men dug them out with heavy picks. Ermengarde delighted in the story, and Lottie insisted on its being retold to her every evening. Lavinia was very spiteful about it and told Jessie that she didn't believe it, such things as diamond mines existed. My mom has a diamond ring which cost 40 pounds, she said, and it is not a big one either. If there were mines full of diamonds, people would be so rich it would be ridiculous. Perhaps Sarah will be so rich that she will be ridiculous, giggled Jessie. She's ridiculous without being rich, Lavinia sniffed. I believe you hate her, said Jessie. No, I don't, snapped Lavinia. But I don't believe in mines full of diamonds. Well, people have to get them from somewhere, said Jessie. Lavinia, with a new giggle, what do you think Gertrude says? I don't know, I'm sure, and I don't care if it's something more about that everlasting Sarah. Well, it is. One of her pretends is that she is a princess. She plays it all the time, even in school. She says it makes her learn her lessons better. She wants Ermengarde to be one too, but Ermengarde says she is too fat. She is too fat, said Lavinia. 
and Sarah is too thin. Naturally, Jessie giggled again. She says it has nothing to do with what you look like or what you have. It has only to do with what you think of and what you do. I suppose she thinks she could be a princess if she was a beggar, said Lavinia. Let us begin to call her Your Royal Highness. Lessons for the day were over, and they were sitting before the schoolroom fire, enjoying the time they liked best. It was the time when Miss Minchin and Miss Amelia were taking their tea in the sitting room sacred to themselves. At this hour, a great deal of talking was done, and a great many secrets changed hands, particularly if the younger pupils behaved themselves well, and did not squabble or run about noisily, which it must be confessed they usually did. When they made an uproar, the older girls usually interfered with scolding and shakes. They were expected to keep order, and there was danger that if they did not, Miss Minchin or Miss Amelia would appear and put an end to festivities. Even as Lavinia spoke, the door opened, and Sarah entered with Lottie, whose habit was to trot everywhere after her like a little dog. "'There she is, with that horrid child!' exclaimed Lavinia in a whisper. "'If she's so fond of her, why doesn't she keep her in her own room? She will begin howling about something in five minutes!' It happened that Lottie had been seized with a sudden desire to play in the schoolroom, and had begged her adopted parent to come with her. She joined a group of little ones who were playing in a corner. Sarah curled herself up in the window seat, opened a book, and began to read. It was a book about the French Revolution, and she was soon lost in a harrowing picture of the prisoners in the Bastille, men who had spent so many years in dungeons that when they were dragged out by those who rescued them, their long gray hair and beards almost hid their faces, and they had forgotten that an outside world existed at all and were like beings in a dream. She was so far away from the schoolroom that it was not agreeable to be dragged back suddenly by a howl from Lottie. Never did she find anything so difficult as to keep herself from losing her temper when she was suddenly disturbed while absorbed in a book. People who are fond of books know the feeling of irritation which sweeps over them at such a moment. The temptation to be unreasonable and snappish is one not easy to manage. It makes me feel as if someone had hit me, Sarah had told Ermengarde once in confidence, and as if I want to hit back. I have to remember things quickly to keep from saying something ill-tempered. She had to remember things quickly when she laid down her book on the window seat and jumped down from her comfortable corner. Lottie had been sliding across the schoolroom floor, and, having first irritated Lavinia and Jessie by making a noise, and ended by falling down and hurting her fat knee. She was screaming and dancing up and down in the midst of a group of friends and enemies who were alternately coaxing and scolding her. Stop this minute, you crybaby! Stop this minute! Lavinia commanded. I'm not a crybaby! I'm not! wailed Lottie. Sarah! Sarah! If she doesn't stop, Miss Minchin will hear her! cried Jessie. Lottie, darling, I'll give you a penny. I don't want your penny, sobbed Lottie, and she looked down at the fat knee and, seeing a drop of blood on it, burst forth again. Sarah flew across the room and, kneeling down, put her arms round her. Now, Lottie, she said, now, Lottie, you promise, Sarah. She said I was a crybaby, wept Lottie. Sarah patted her, but spoke in the steady voice Lottie knew. 
But if you cry, you will be one, Lottie Pet. You promised. Lottie remembered that she had promised, but she preferred to lift up her voice. I haven't any, Mama, she proclaimed. I haven't a bit of Mama. Yes, you have, said Sarah cheerfully. Have you forgotten? Don't you know that Sarah is your Mama? Don't you want Sarah for your Mama? Lottie cuddled up to her with a consoled sniff. Come and sit in the window seat with me, Sarah went on, and I'll whisper a story for you. Will you? whimpered Lottie. Will you tell me? About the diamond mines? The diamond mines? broke out Lavinia. Nasty little spoiled thing. I should like to slap her. Sarah got up quickly on her feet. It must be remembered that she had been very deeply absorbed in the book about the Bastille, and she had had to recall several things rapidly when she realized that she must go and take care of her adopted child. She was not an angel, and she was not fond of Lavinia. Well, she said with some fire, I should like to slap you, but I don't want to slap you, restraining herself. At least I both want to slap you, and I should like to slap you, but I won't slap you. We are not like gutter children. We are both old enough to know better. Here was Lavinia's opportunity. Ah, uh, yes, your royal highness, she said. We are princesses, I believe. At least one of us is. The school ought to be very fashionable. Now Miss Minchin has a princess for a pupil. Sarah started toward her. She looked as if she were going to box her ears. Perhaps she was. Her trick of pretending things was the joy of her life. She never spoke of it to girls she was not fond of. Her new pretend about being a princess was very near to her heart, and she was shy and sensitive about it. She had meant it to be rather secret, and here was Lavinia deriding it before nearly all the school. She felt the blood rush up into her face and tingle in her ears. She only just saved herself. If you were a princess, you did not fly into rages. Her hand dropped, and she stood quite still a moment. When she spoke, it was in a quiet, steady voice. She held her head up, and everybody listened to her. It's true, she said. Sometimes I do pretend I am a princess. I pretend I am a princess so that I can try and behave like one. Lavinia could not think of exactly the right thing to say. Several times she had found that she could not think of a satisfactory reply when she was dealing with Sarah. The reason for this was that, somehow, the rest always seemed to be vaguely in sympathy with her opponent. She saw now that they were pricking up their ears interestedly. The truth was, they liked princesses, and they all hoped they might hear something more definite about this one, and drew nearer Sarah accordingly. Lavinia could only invent one remark, and it fell rather flat. Dear me, she said, I hope when you ascend the throne, you won't forget us. I won't, said Sarah, and she did not utter another word, but stood quite still, and stared at her steadily as she saw her take Jessie's arm and turn away. It's jingle, 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 jingle time! You ready? Okay, today's jingle is called A Long Felt Want. One day, Wee Willie and his dog sprawled on the nursery floor. 
He had a florist's catalogue, and turned the pages o'er. Till all at once he gave a spring. Hurrah! he cried with joy. Mama, here's just the very thing to give your little boy. For when we fellows go to school, we lose our things, you know. And in that little vestibule, they do get mixed up so. And as you often say you can't take care of them for me, why don't you buy a rubber plant and an umbrella tree? Would you like to get an umbrella tree? What do you think an umbrella tree is? Tell me in an email at readingbookswithnudie at gmail.com. The email will also be in the show notes so you can check it there. I'll read some of your answers on the podcast in a few weeks. See you then. And that's the end of our episode today. Come back on Thursday for a new episode when we will continue our story. Have a great week. Big thanks to Epidemic Sound for the songs and sound you heard today and to Project Gutenberg for the books we read. <laughs>